For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome, everybody, back to the Believe in the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Golden at JetsXFactor.com. And as always, former Jet running back Lamont Jordan here with me again. Lamont, the time has come once again. It was a quick week in between with a loss to the Patriots, but the Jets are once again victorious, upsetting the Buffalo Bills 20-17, to sitting at the bye week at 6-3, and looking ahead to any potential playoff hopes. I know this has been quite the unlikely scenario for anybody else who thinks they might have some unlikely scenarios and want to win some money on. I'm going to, head to tell you to head on over to betonline.ag, the number one place for all your sports betting needs. They always got the latest odds, team matchup, info, player news, game trends, everything else you could possibly need, whether it's the NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, golf, you name it, betonline.ag has you covered. And if you want to Sign up, go ahead and use the code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to get a $50 welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Lamont, we got to start with this game first and foremost, I think, at least myself, the offensive line. I think the offensive line from the Jets absolutely and totally stuck their necks out, went through a tough, tough opponent in the Buffalo Bills with some great pass rushers like Von Miller, and they only allowed two sacks on the day one of which was a give up at the end of the the final drive by Zach Wilson, where he kind of just like took the sack to not lose too much field position Four pressures. They averaged 5.1 yards a carry. And it really goes back to that offensive line and that group up front. I thought they were tremendous. Yeah, I would say they were better. I wouldn't go as far as saying tremendous. Um, And I think a lot of it, uh, we'll talk about a few things as we talk about just the number of things that happened throughout the game. Um, but I think that this is the best game that they've played all year. Um, um, I think that Zach, Zach's feet definitely makes up for a lot of what they do. I think the play calling also had a lot to do with it, but I love the direction that these guys are going into. I mean, I was concerned coming into this game, uh, especially about our offensive line. And those guys definitely impressed me. They 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 definitely impressed me. Um, I'm, I'm judging them hard again. Like I said, it's just it's just some other areas that that they just have to be better at. Um, but all in all, this was definitely, in my opinion, when it, from a pass protection standpoint, this was definitely the best game that the offensive line played. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Maybe tremendous is a little far, but like you said, coming from where they were last week against the New England Patriots and the output they had the week before against Denver, it was quite the improvement. And I definitely think it was quite honestly, probably was their best game pass protection wise all season. And it came with Cedric Abwehi at right tackle and Nate Herbig at right guard and no Elijah Vera Tucker. <laughs> and 
Yeah, who would have guessed? Right. Yeah, it's it's crazy to to even think about. And I think, quite honestly, this is kind of where I'll transition to have the output that this team had after losing the way they did the week before is such huge total growth for them as a team and for them as an organization where the Jets of old would have gotten blown out by the Bills this week. They would have had all their confidence shot. They would have lost against the Patriots. They would have felt down on themselves and felt like everything that they had done before, well, you know, was just smoke and mirrors and they weren't that good. And they would come out against a tough team in Buffalo and they would get handled, but they didn't, whether it was the offensive line or the rest of the team in general, they were right back in it, ready to fight. They weren't down on themselves whatsoever, and they were ready to come out and steal a win. And that's exactly what they did. And we must say it all the time, Lamont, but it starts at the top with Robert Sala, and it starts with his leadership setting the course and keeping everyone focused during a, a rough stretch of a loss in between a win streak. Yeah, I thought one thing about his teams, and, and I agree with you, it starts at the top. Uh, we knew that this team was going to come out and fight, regardless of what happened against New England. They were going to come out and fight. I just really, I'm going to be honest with you. You know, when we talked about this, we started talking about this um, before the game. You know, I just didn't think that we would be able to keep up with Buffalo. And I didn't think that our offense would be able to um, offer the support that it would need. With that said, I mean, listen, we said it on the show, on, on many shows that we've done that Robert Sala, if there's one thing that he's done, is he's gotten all of his players to buy into what it is that he's selling. And it's evident. And we talked about it, the defense, man. Oh, my gosh. The daggone defense, boy. Hats off to the entire defense, especially that defensive line. We talked about it. We talked about how the defensive line is going to be – like, that is our depth. We are the deepest at the defensive line position. And those guys, man, they just wreaked havoc on Josh Allen all day long, man. So it definitely starts at the top. Um, but the consistency, that's the thing that you should be excited about as a Jets fan. Is This This isn't some – This is you, you know how you have teams, they'll play well against one team, and then they just completely suck the following week? Yep. One thing that this Jets defense has done all season long is they have been consistently good. Yeah. And yeah, they really have. Yeah, and I agree with you. It starts at the top. And so, I mean, I, I can go on and on about the defense, and I'm sure that we're going to get into them. Uh, you're going to go into more details about some of the things that you saw. But, man, that defense, bro, let me tell you, man, that defense is real. And my head off, the first play of the game, uh, 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 with Diggs, with the stutter go to Sauce, I was like, oh boy, this is going to be a long day, man. But take mm-hmm. my off to Sauce Gardner, um, who, and not unless my stats, not unless I didn't read this right, he had the most total tackles and had three solos. My hat goes off to Sauce. Yeah, Sauce played a great game. Uh, after that first play where he's in cover three and he's just not expecting Diggs to run that quickly and be going deep on the first play of the game, and so he slow plays it, and by the time he realizes that Diggs is going deep, it's too late, and he's already by him. He's able to get a 42-yard completion. Uh, Svon Diggs gets a 42-yard completion on the first play of the game. And then, like you're talking about with the defense, the Bills got no points. They had a <laughs> kickoff that was missed from the start with Braden Mann slipping and the ball tumbling like a squib kick to where they started basically at, at the Jets 40, 45, practically midfield. They get one play to go down, 42 yards to get in first and goal, and they walk away with zero points after a Jordan Whitehead interception. 
and that is the defense showing up. And if it wasn't for the defensive line causing, uh, forcing Allen out of the pocket and letting him on the move, he probably doesn't throw that interception to Jordan Whitehead. So yeah, the defensive line leads it. The rest of the defense cleans it up. This is kind of a point I've been wanting to make, and I want to be very clear when I say this because I can already feel the the question marks coming. The Jets' defense did excellent. It was an awesome performance by them. They are one of the best units in the league, period, and they deserve to be treated like it. And because they had such a good defense, Josh Allen played badly. And mm-hmm. I don't think that that any anyone I don't think I've seen enough people, if anyone, really mentioning this as a, a factor into the performance. Josh Allen was bad. Yes, he that was. was that was not a good game from Josh Allen, period, outside of the Jets defense or otherwise. Granted, I think the Jets defense was making it difficult for him and the performance that they had is the result of playing a good defense. But that pick to Jordan Whitehead, that should not have been an interception. Josh Allen just lofted the ball carelessly and gave Whitehead time to undercut it. He was beat. Dawson Knox is open on the over route if he sees it earlier, or if he doesn't just completely throw a little uh, Pop Warner fly pass and over the middle of the field to Jordan Whitehead, that's going to be a completion. Later, he was missing throws all game long. DJ Mm -hmm. Reed got a really big pass breakup on Stephon Diggs. I think it was in the fourth quarter later in the game down the left sideline. And it's a great play by DJ Reed recovery, get in phase. He's not completely beat. You know, he's still in position to make a play on the ball and he did. But if Josh Allen puts it out in front instead of behind Diggs walks in the end zone anyway. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there was a handful of, of plays like this, even his uh, interception to sauce Gardner. Great play by sauce. He's playing cover two. He's trailing um, the, like a little bit of a go route that goes behind him. I think it was eventually became a corner route and he's keeping his eyes on the underneath and he watches Josh Allen's eyes and he drifts back, drifts back, jumps up and picks the ball off. It's like he threw it right to him. It's mm-hmm. not like there was, you know, it, it was like a, a bang, bang type of play. It's like sauce Gardner was the receiver on that play. And Dawson Knox is somewhere in the corner of the screen, just hoping to be relevant. And he shows Josh Allen, afterwards after that play go to the sideline and he's smacking his helmet into the field goal net and he's upset his quote after the game was it's hard to win in this league when you play a good team and your quarterback meaning himself plays like shit Mm -hmm. this was again great effort from the defense and this is kind of where i think when it gets back to the jets and looking forward this is the point i want to make Excellent effort from the defense, but you are not going to get bad Josh Allen twice. And so in the future, when they play the Bills again, I think in week 14 at Buffalo with potentially first placed in the AFC East on the line, they better not be expecting Josh Allen to be making some of the same mistakes that he was making. And this game could have been, at least in my opinion, could have looked a lot differently with some better play by Josh Allen more than anything else. I agree with you. I agree with you. And the crazy thing is, is I was thinking about this today. Um, I'm reminded of last year when the Patriots played the Buffalo Bills the first time and they had the weather and all those different things. And then Buffalo came back a second time and they hammered them. Yep. The thing that's different for me where I'm looking at this Jets team different is that, like I said, this Jets defense has played consistent. The Jets special teams, which we're going to get to, has played consistent. This is still a Jets team that, in my opinion, is getting below average assistance from its offense. 
Josh Allen played bad. And to, yes, I agree with you. I don't think we're going to get bad Josh Allen twice, but we got to take our head off to the defensive coaching staff for the job that they did of, of game planning for 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 Buffalo. We blitzed we blitzed him twice the entire game. Our front four did their job. This defense was built to stop one team, and that's the Buffalo Bills. That's right. That Josh Allen was missing his throws is because the defensive line never really allowed him to get settled. They ran line stunts at the right time, and and it's not often that he was able to get outside the pocket. And remember, we talked about this a lot last year, where a quarterback can get outside the pocket, but make sure that he's running backwards. Don't allow him to turn the corner. And that's what they did. Josh Allen played bad because, A, Josh Allen is good for making mistakes like that. Um, but more importantly, Josh Allen played bad because the Jets defensive staff did a great job of coming up with a great game plan. And the Jets defense did a great job of going out there and executing it. The Jets defense never took the gas off the pedal. This wasn't a situation where, where okay, this defense is, is only a first half or second half defense. This defense plays this way for four quarters. And it goes back to something that we talked about on the show last year, is that regardless of what the score is, this Jets, this Jets team as a whole, they play throughout the entire game. I'm not concerned with, I'm going to be honest with you. There's not a team, even the Kansas City Chiefs, that really concern me. Although the Chiefs are the offense that gives me concern, I'm really not concerned with our defense at this point. During this bye week, our Jets offense has to come up with something to offer this defensive support because it is going to be needed. Yeah, 100%. I completely and totally agree. The, I think the defense can take on anyone. There isn't a, a team I'm worried about that's going to be like, oh, this is going to be awful for our defense and they're going to get torched all game and give up 500 total yards and it's going to be a disaster. I don't think that happens regardless of who they play. I really, truly think that they are an elite NFL defense right now and, and that you can match them up against anybody and they're going to go out there and perform. And the two guys that I wanted to talk to, we talked about Sauce earlier. Great game from Sauce. But I want to talk about some other guys to get give them some more spotlight, deservedly so. First and foremost, Bryce Huff. Bryce Huff mm -hmm. seals the game with a strip sack at the end that lies 15 yards behind Josh Allen. He has to go run and catch, uh, have offensive linemen go run under and fall on it. And it sets them up with, I believe it was like a second and 21 when mm -hmm. they're literally down to a few seconds left and no timeouts trying to get in field goal range to tie the game. That's a huge play. That's an absolutely ginormous play to be a player that already plays limited snaps that comes in as a situational pass rusher. There's no big, bigger situation and no better time to produce than that. And I thought Bryce Huff did an absolutely excellent job all game, but specifically on that play. And then the other guy, our guy, Lamont, Jermaine Johnson, mm -hmm. you, how effortlessly he made it look to get off a tight end on a bootleg and chase down Josh Allen in the open field. Effortless for him. And if you listen to this show, you'll know going back from us way back in the spring, that this is what we said. We said pursuit speed and motor were two of his biggest pluses and that you don't get away from him. And that when he's got you in his sights, it's, it's like a heat seeking missile and there's nothing you're going to do. This was just another example of that coming off an ankle injury to come in and play. I thought he did well. In the run game, outside of one play where Josh Allen got the, the scrambling touchdown for like 30 yards, 
JJ goes and knifes inside on fourth and one because he's thinking it's going to be an inside run. It's really a quarterback keeper to the outside. That was his like the only negative play that really stuck out in my mind. And what he was able to do in the past game, I thought was huge. Bryce Huff and Jermaine Johnson are two guys on this defense that aren't even starters. And we can talk about them with this much hype. That says a lot about the total unit. Yes. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Now we tell you this. Um, Clemens. Clemens is another one. Yep. Uh, Sherwood. Five total tackles, four solos. Marcus Joyner. I mean, when I'm looking at the stats, all right, Sauce had the most total tackles. He had three solos. But when you look at the the, the I was, when you look at the people who have the most solo tackles, all right, C.J. Mosley, Sherwood, and Quincy Williams. When you're looking at the box score, and you have your front guys are leading your teams with solo tackles, because I guarantee, if you look at a lot of these teams' defenses, you're going to see a lot of t- you're going to see a lot of solo tackles coming from the safety position. All right. Uh And a lot of this is taking place because the entire team on the defensive side of the ball is doing their job so that these guys can make their, so that these guys can make their place. Quincy Uh Williams dominating just anybody that lines up. Quentin Williams, I'm sorry, is dominating anybody who lines up in front of him. I mean, anybody. Um, our guy, um, uh, my guy, Michael Clemens, you know, we talked, I, I brought him up, uh, I believe for the senior bowl, he's out there just wreaking havoc. And we talked about this before too, when you're playing against teams who have quarterbacks that can extend the plays like the Buffalo bills, uh, like a Kansas city chiefs, when, when you have eight defensive linemen, because that's what we have up here. Yep. If our first unit gets tired, guess what? Our second unit is coming in, and they're just as good as the first unit. They're just as fast, and they have the same type of motor. That is a defense. That is a Super Bowl. That is a Super Bowl caliber defense right there. And I don't want people to start getting out of whack saying, "Oh, we're predicting Super Bowl." I'm saying no. What I am saying is that this defense is playing at a Super Bowl level. Yeah. No, that's a playoff defense. That's that's a play that is a defense that wins in the playoffs with how they are playing right now. One hundred and ten percent. The front, the front four, Quinnen Williams included, absolute domination, allowing guys like C.J. Mosley and Quincy Williams to come in behind and fill against the run and make those total tackles. Sauce Gardner leads the team in total tackles, has three solos. And I'm from remembering correctly off the stats. He only gave up two catches all day. One of them was the 52 yard shot to start the game. And so you're not giving up catches and you're making tackles. That's speed to the ball. That's having 11 guys fly around and have a, like you're saying, Lamont, a collective unit that just feasts this, this defense is awesome. I agree. They are Super Bowl caliber. I'm excited to see as they continue on the rest of the year, I'm praying to any football God that exists that they all stay healthy. And if so, I think they're going to be, they're going to be in any pretty much every game the rest of their schedule, at least because of that defense and their ability to keep them in those games. Yeah. And right along with the defense, excuse me, let's talk about the special teams. I mean, we talk about it a lot on the show. Um, we bring up Brandon Mann and how much of a weapon he is. And once again, he was able to shift field position. He punted the ball when the ball left his foot. 
we were on our own uh 13-yard line, I believe, and it landed on on Buffalo's 15-yard line. And we talk about it all the time, especially in a situation like ours where we don't have an offense that's consistently supporting and putting up points. We talk about the importance of field position. What Brandon Mann has consistently been able to do, and we talked about this, we have to make teams drive the length of the field on us. If we do that, we have a chance to win. And once again, he was able to do that. Berrios with a, a kickoff return of 22 yards. Like these things are significant. So when you have a defense that's playing, that's that's playing Super Bowl caliber defense, you have a punter that's able to consistently shift field position. That is the recipe for success. I mean, Drew. Listen to these stats. Each team had 61 total plays. We both had nine drives each. The Buffalo Bills were one for two in the red zone. The Jets were two for five. Here's why that's significant. Out of our nine drives, five of those times we made it into the red zone. That is critical. That is critical. On third down, Buffalo was eight for 13. The Jets were five for 13. Because our offense is struggling, that number is going to be low. But if we can, if the offense could just get better, continue to get better, you're going to see us operating with a third down efficiency, just like Buffalo. Eight for 13 is not bad. But the Jets were two for two on fourth down. Penalties, dead even. Both teams had three penalties for 30 yards each. And here's where it comes down to it, Drew. And we talk about this all the time. If you uh -huh. go and you look at one stat, <laughs> go look at one stat. Which team turned the ball over the most? That is going to be the team that lost. The Buffalo Bills turned the ball over twice. The Jets, we only turned the ball over once. That is the game. Our defense is this is what allows this. When you when when you are struggling offense. And you're playing against a Buffalo Bills team that we all know is very explosive, and you each have 61 plays. That right there, Drew, that is the recipe for winning. And I'm gonna be honest with you. I think that the Jets just gave us gave everybody the blueprint for how you beat the Buffalo Bills and how you slow this offense down. If you don't have four dominant defensive linemen up front, you're not going to you're going to have a hard time stopping this 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 offense. If you don't have a defense that's not if if your defense is not willing to play balls to the wall for four quarters for an entire game, you're going to have a hard time stopping this Buffalo Bills offense. And that's exactly what this Jets defense did. That's what the special teams did. And we just have to get the offense. The offense. I cannot wait for this offense to explode because we were so excited about the weapons. Remember, I remember we were always talking about the weapons that we have. When this offense gets going, we get Corey Davis back. Um, and 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 offensively, Drew, we left so many points out there on the field. We left so many points. And here's the one area that our offensive line has to get better. I think LaFleur called an excellent game. I was harder on him last week. I think he called an excellent game. A lot of those screen passes were perfectly called screens. If the offensive linemen, when they get out and pull, if they pick up those blocks, those are huge runs, possibly touchdowns in my opinion, Drew. Yeah, no, I, I I agree. The one that sticks out in my head was the, they had a tight end screen to C.J. Uzama, 
where <laughs> he gets he gets tripped up. You know exactly what I'm talking about. And yeah. he knew it. He knew he had nothing but green grass in front of him. And he's slamming on the ground after he gets tackled because he knew he was inches from breaking free. And that was a, a, a difference in the game plan that I agree. This was an excellent game from Michael Floor. But the the use of more screen passes, I thought, was a really good game plan. I thought really lends to how this team wants to go about their offense. And I know I said it a couple of weeks ago where I said, if that has to become your run game and you get a, a screen out to a tight end and it gains seven yards on first and 10, and that's how you can stay ahead of the chains, then so be it. Whether it's, you know, a running the ball, quote unquote, you know, is there's still the the uh, the mentality and the physicality that comes with running the ball that you can't ever really replicate so it's not like something you got to completely go away but those screen passes can be valuable weapons and i think we're seeing that zach wilson has an ability to throw them correctly and throw them under duress there was a couple of times when he had people in his face and he's able to drop his arm and go sidearm and he still gets the ball in the one of their two touchdowns on the day was a screen pass to james robinson in mm-hmm. the red zone and it was the opposite of what you're saying, where it was some little bit better blocking and it's going to spring it. This was great blocking. Nate Herbig gets out in front and seals the linebacker off completely. And I think it was um, uh, Lakin, Lakin Tomlinson, who's the other puller as the lead blocker on the screen. He's getting out and he gets a piece of his defender right on the end. And it's enough to get James in the end zone. So I think I agree. The screen passes, I think, are a big feature of it. This is the other point I wanted to make, and it goes back to a little bit going back to the defense, but it's talking about capitalizing on their drives, because I think that is one thing that they need to do a better job of, especially in this game, where if you look back, the Jets had multiple opportunities in the red zone, like you said, two for five. Mm -hmm. You got to be better than two for five. When you get the ball that close, when you get down within the 25 yard line, if you're not walking out with three points at minimum, that is a huge huge deal that is a problem that is a wasted drive that is time off the clock that is a lot of time for the opposing offense to to game plan and figure out what they're going to do and it's it makes things a heck of a lot harder when you can't score in the red zone and the reason i said i wanted to go back to the defense is i think about situationally how this sequence could have played out if it went differently the jets get into the red zone and zach wilson gets is uh, sacked by von miller and fumbles the ball Granted, I'm not going to hold anything against Zach Wilson for that. You got uh, Cedric Oblahi at right tackle, who badly lost a one-on-one matchup with a future Hall of Famer in Von Miller. I'm not going to sit here and hold his feet to the fire. Zach Wilson for fumbling or Oblahi for losing. That's Von Miller being Von Miller. That's what he does. The very, I believe it was the very next play, if not two plays later, Sauce Gardner picks off Josh Allen. Mm Mm-hmm. And if I'm not mistaken, Lamont, I don't think the Jets scored on that drive. No. That you have, you're already in the red zone. Then you get a sack fumble. You get a gift back of an interception that immediately puts you right back in the red zone. And I, th- if, I think they got a field goal. I think that was the, the field goal that made it 17, or it was 14-14. I think that made it 17-14. You had two opportunities in the red zone. You got three points. You had five opportunities all day. You only converted two of them. They really need to improve in that area specifically. And the reason I said that situationally, imagine if they score in the red zone, they score a touchdown. Josh Allen comes out 
argument's sake, throws an interception again, and Sauce Gardner takes it right back, and they score on that drive too. Or if you factor in Von Miller's sack fumble, how demoralizing it would have been to get a sack fumble, immediately turn the ball over again, and then have the Jets score a touchdown and go up by another score. I I really think that focusing in in the red zone, and I want to see, we've seen some of it over Michael Force time, I want to see more design red zone plays. I don't feel like they they only have a couple of those, and it doesn't need to be a trick play or a Philly special or anything like that. But you got to have a couple of concepts when you get down low that you can really feast on and you can really go back towards. And they had one earlier in the game where Zach had a touchdown to Tyler Conklin. Um, oh, wait, no, wait, I'm getting confused. I got my games all mixed up. That was last week. Um, they had a handful of opportunities in the red zone. I like the screen to James Robinson. And I'd like Mm. to see more of that in the red zone as I think that there's plenty more opportunities for that to cap off and get in the, uh, get in for six, but yeah, two for five. that's, that's just not going to do it. No, I I agree with you. It's not going to do it. And I text you during the game. I was like WTF. And it was the last drive where we had to settle for a field goal. And I think we ran three read option plays in a row. The first one, Zach should have pulled the ball, and I think he would have walked in. Um, and then they ran, I think they ran the ball after it, and then they ran they ran the same read option play, and I was like, WTF. I'm like, yo, what the heck are they doing? Like, we have to score touchdowns. We have to score touchdowns when we get into the red zone. We can't continue to put our defense in that situation. But that's why it comes back to what I'm saying about the offense is that we have to offer these guys support. Like, we have to offer this defense support. And I really hope that this is something that they get fixed throughout during the um during the bye week because it's 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 just too much you're putting on the defense. And I think that we have too much talent on the offensive side of the ball that we should be able to put up more points. With that said, we also have to remember that Buffalo just I mean, Buffalo's defense is one of the top defenses in the league. Yep. So you had two, what you had in this game was you had two of the top five defenses in this league, two top five, top six, all right? And then you had one of the worst offenses in the league playing against one of the best, one of the worst offenses in the league playing against one of the best offenses in the league, all right? At the end of the day, we went toe-to-toe with one of the best teams in, in the National Football League that a lot of people prior to the season, predict to go to and possibly win the Super Bowl. With that said, yeah, they predicted them to win the Super Bowl. With that said, this was just an overall great victory for for the Jets, man. This was huge. To get a win like this coming into your bye week, I'm excited for this team. There are a lot of situations where you worry about a team going into a bye week. Like, I remember actually my last year in the league playing for the Denver Broncos. Uh, we started out the season 6-0. and Went into the bye week. We were kind of filling ourselves, let our guards down. We came out after the bye week, went to Baltimore, and they just completely destroyed us. I'm not worried about that with this team. I think that this team is going to come into the bye week. It's a much-needed bye week for rest. For some guys that may have been nicked up, this gives them an extra week to kind of get a little more healthier before they get ready for this final stretch of the season. I think our bye week came at a great time. 
and offensively, they can get things situated for the offense because right now we're in a situation where who would have thought that coming into the bye week that the New York Jets would be fighting or in a position where they're fighting for first place in the AFC. It's craziness. It's absolutely <laughs> crazy. Robert Sala said it himself yesterday uh, when it was like his pre-buy press conference where he goes, even the most optimistic of Jets fan wouldn't have had us at six and three by the bye week. And he's right that it's we thought we were being optimistic by saying that they'd win two against the AFC North. We thought we were being optimistic by saying that they might get they'll go two and two over to start the stretch and then all the losing will fill in. And it's been above and beyond even further than that. And you're right. The way this team operates, the way this team is led, I don't think they're going to lose focus. And on top of that, Lamont, they just lost to the Patriots too. Yes. And so now you get an opportunity just three weeks in real time, two weeks in football time later to go back into their building and dish out some payback. They're going to be focused. And now they have the confidence of, well, we just did things the right way and look what we did against the bills. That's what we can go and do again. And I really think that they're going to have the perfect mindset. And I think this will be a good way to end, which is, what can we look forward to after the bye? And first and foremost, it's offensive players getting healthier and coming back where Corey Davis is going would be, I'd be very, very surprised if Corey Davis is not back after the bye week. If Corey Davis is still hurt after he was supposedly cleared to come in uh, back in against the Denver Broncos, if he misses the rest of the Broncos game, the first Patriots game, the bills game, the bye week, and then misses the Patriots game again. I'm going to be really concerned and I'm going to be confused as to how he would have been possibly able to come in against Denver. So I'm expecting Corey Davis to be back. There's also a chance we get Max Mitchell back. Mm. And I think if they get Max Mitchell back, that's huge. And I mentioned this on, uh, on Oklahoma drill on my other show yesterday, but one of uh, my co-hosts, Matt, his concern was cohesion on the offensive line is that this is now the second week in a row they've all started to play. And yes, we might get some good guys back, but is that going to mess up the cohesion? And I don't think that's the case in this specific instance for one very important reason. When the season first started and even before that, going through training camp in the summer and everything else, Max Mitchell was the was the second string right tackle and the second string right guard was Nate Herbig. So mm -hmm. now. Nate Herbig is starting at right guard. You're likely when Mitchell comes back healthy to have him starting at right tackle. These guys have already worked together. Yep. They've already practiced together. They're already used to playing next to each other. There's not going to be a, a, a lapse in communication because you're having a guy in Max Mitchell who one is already used to playing with the rest of the starters and Lakin and Connor McGovern and everyone else, but specifically already has chemistry with his right guard, Nate Herbig. And that's really the biggest area when it talks about offensive line communication tackle to guard is huge that's where all your stunts are going to be passed off that's where you're likely if you're going to have any isolations you're going to have overloads or any slide protections those guys got to be on the same page where i know against denver lamont there was a play where we had talked about where lakin tomlinson was late to react and is double teaming down um when there's a free man on the end line and lets a free guy come through and it was miscommunication on the offensive line. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's going to be a problem with Max Mitchell back in the lineup. And I think when you have, like we've all said, the way this defense is playing, the way the special teams are playing, that when this offense gets Max Mitchell back, gets Corey Davis back, 
And if Zach Wilson can continue to manage the game, and I think that's an important piece too, is that I thought this was a good, not great game from Zach Wilson. If he can just manage the game, make the throws that are there and not make anything harder for this team than it has to be. I'm, it's hard to imagine them having many tough games because they're talented enough to be in any game they got. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, when it comes to what to expect as far as the bye week is concerned, um, with the offensive line, first and foremost, we've been mixing this offensive lineup since training camp. Like these guys have been moved all over the place because of the injuries that we've had. So these guys have had an opportunity to work with one another. With Mitchell coming back, the bye week is perfect because that is where they have to shore things up to, to, yep. to really go through the remainder of the season. So I, him coming back, I don't think it's going to mess anything up. I think it just gives us the depth that we need to finish the rest of the season. The area that I'm concerned with that needs that they really need to work on is the pass protection from the backs, specifically Carter. He has to do a better job of closing the distance when his defender is missing. There was one play, and actually a couple of times I've seen it throughout the season, where he's in his stance, he has to pick up an outside linebacker just running, and he either just turns and waits, or he just takes one step and wait. And when the guy hits him and they make contact, he's almost getting pushed back into the quarterback. You cannot do that to the quarterback. As a running back, if your blitzer is coming, especially off the edge, you have to go and attack him. And I think that that will help Zach get a little more comfortable because, listen, as a running back, it's your job to protect the quarterback's backside. It's your, listen, you're the, last line, you're the last line of defense. And the one thing that the quarterback has to have comfort is whenever his back is in, who if he's in shotgun, if he's under center, when he has to throw the ball, he has to have confidence, especially when he knows that a guy is blitzing. He has to have the confidence that his running back is going to pick up that blitz and not just pick up the blitz, but pick up the blitz where it's not affecting the pocket. That is an area that Carter has to get better at because, listen, if he's in the game, if 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 he doesn't want to be a dead tail that he's going to free release or they're only going to run a couple of plays, he has to get better at pass protection. So the back's getting better at pass protection. Offensive line just continuing to work on their technique, work on things that they need to work on. And I fully anticipate that when we come back from this bye week, that the, that the offense will be um, the offense will be better. Yeah, I think so too. And I think the most important thing to remember is that schematically, Michael Floor carved up bill belichick zach wilson was just failing yes and that it wasn't an issue of the plays were wrong or or the jets didn't have the right idea if zach wilson was on they blow the patriots out there was wide open men all over the place on the film and zach was either just not seeing him or was getting pressured too fast and rolled out and after that it just became a horror show and it didn't even matter what was going on downfield but there's reason to believe that they could come out even stronger against new england this next time especially if they get Corey davis and the offensive line back health and offensive line back healthy with max mitchell that you're going to see a much better offensive performance and i agree with the with carter and pass protection he's too passive and, and there's an old saying that pass protection isn't passive and that you need to be attacking and that you can't just sit here and constantly wait and it goes for offensive linemen it goes for running backs too especially for a running back like Carter, that's a shorter, smaller back 
where he's 5'8", probably about 205 tops. And he's nice and short and squatty, and he's you know got good center of balance, so that helps him as a running back. But in pass protection, he needs to be the type of guy where if a defensive end's coming at him with a running start, he can't just stand still and anchor and take that. He can't no. just just keep, and you wouldn't expect him to. He's 5'8", 200, going against NFL defensive ends. That's why offensive tackles get paid a lot of money to do that, because they're offensive tackles. You're Michael Carter, and you're a running back. You got to be looking for a different way, and I think it starts with adding some momentum forward. Go out and attack him, like you're saying. Close the distance, and not just let someone come free and come at you, because then once you're in, you're in panic mode, you're in brace mode, and you're hoping hoping everything you can to hold your ground and you've already lost because the pockets collapsed. So I'm, I'm with you there. I think that's a big key. Last thing I want to talk about before we get out of here, there is going to be a slight adjustment up front defensively because Sheldon Rankins is going to be out for at least four weeks. Mm. Now that's a, that's a problem. That's a shame. Mm. Rankins is having a really good year next to Quinnen Williams. Quinnen's been getting all the attention and deservedly so, but Rankins has been playing some good football too. And they're going to have to find a way to replace him. And I don't know if Solomon Thomas or Nathan Shepard is going to be the guy that can fill in for his snaps with the first string unit and keep this rotation going on the defensive line, keep the defensive line effective. So I'd potentially look to the free agent market. I know they had Linval Joseph in for a visit. I would definitely consider uh, calling his agent and seeing what the front on that. And then, Speaking of Oklahoma drill, my co-host brought this up as a possibility as well. They have Tanzel Smart in the practice squad. That mm. They had a lot from the preseason, and that it's a possibility that they might call him up and give him some opportunities, and I think that's a good idea as well. You have to keep this defensive line at stock to the teeth. It, it is your pathway to winning games more times than not. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with you with bringing up the guy from the practice squad. I, I will say this. Whatever decision they make, I'm going to be comfortable with it and okay with it simply because that's just what this coaching staff, that's what the GM, that's just what this organization, they've earned that. Um, And with that said, whoever comes in to play that spot, they're surrounded by by great teammates. Yep. And, And so whoever's going to come in and play that spot they already know what the expectation is, which is why I'm hoping they bring up the practice squad guy, but whoever they bring in, if you've watched the Jets play, you already know what the expectation is. If you're on that field, you're going 100 miles an hour until the whistle blows and just go out there and do your job. So I'm not really losing, losing him is, is tough. It is, but the reality of the situation that we're in, is if he's going to be out for you said what four to five weeks, four to four six four to weeks. six weeks, it's a dislocated elbow. So he's going to be out for four to six weeks. He has a dislocated elbow. There's going to come a time that he's going to be able to he's he's still going to be able to condition. He's still going to be able to do those things. So whoever comes in and play that spot, you have one job. You have to hold it down until he's able to come back and be healthy. And I think that, and I said it before, and I'm going to say it again, he's so whoever that person is going to be, they are surrounded by great teammates. So I think that they're going to be able to get the job done. Um, my last thing with the offense, and this will be the last thing that I'll say, and also coming into um, the bye week, I think one person that's really going to benefit from the bye week is James Robinson. Yes. 
being traded, coming right in, playing right away, and I think he's dealing with. A, I think he he's he's got a he's had something. Yep. He did it. not look healthy. He was questionable. Yeah. He popped up on the injury report. He wasn't on during the week, and then I think it was either Saturday or Sunday morning. He became questionable with a knee injury, and based on what I saw, he did not look healthy. He didn't. He didn't. This bye week is going to be huge for him, not only from a health standpoint but it gives him an extra week to learn the offense. And I think with him yep. being healthy and him learning the offense more, he's going to be on the field more. And listen, even if it's a situation where if he's not healthy coming out of the bye week, then just go ahead and deactivate him. We need him healthy. That's just the reality of what it is. We need him healthy. I think that more than anybody on the team right now, I think that this bye week is going to be biggest for him. Yeah, I agree. I completely and totally agree. They need him healthy. And if he's not, then they need someone else that can fill that role because as good as Michael Carter is, he just can't do it alone and he just can't do it by himself. And he's not the type of guy that's going to be punishing defenses in the same way that James Robinson is. And it was to me personally, again, Robinson scored a touchdown. That was great. He had some great runs at the end of the game on the last drive. Very happy for him. Not trying to root against James Robinson whatsoever. Bam Knight should have played, not James Robinson. Yeah. He I, he was he wasn't healthy. He he yeah. didn't look healthy. He didn't look explosive. And he had one run. It was the last drive of the game. The Jets have 13 plays, covers 86 yards, takes up six and a half minutes off the clock. And 10 of the 13 plays were runs. The first eight were eight straight runs. James Robinson had the first three of those carries, and I believe it got close to 30 yards. His third he gets out and open in the middle of the field. Then he tries to shake the safety and just doesn't go anywhere. And safety's able to come in and make the tackle. Bam Knight or Michael Carter isn't on that play. It's probably a touchdown. And yeah. that's that's the difference of what we're talking about here. So I agree. For this bye week, I want nothing more than for James Robinson to be healthy. Take your time, rest up, get right, and get ready to go against New England because they're going to need you. And this is kind of a, a question I'll propose to you as we get out of here. How do you feel? about possibly having four running backs active on game day and having Bam Knight as the fourth? It all depends on who we're going to deactivate. That's definitely the question. I'm thinking maybe someone on the defensive line would seem likely, but I don't know with Rankins out who they're going to fill in for that spot. Maybe they go one less receiver. Instead of Jeff Smith, you get Bam Knight. How many quarterbacks have we been dressing? Only two. Oh, man. Man, oh, man. I I feel like the run game is going to be key for this team, and especially the power run game. And maybe not immediately this next week, but I feel like after, as the weeks goes on, as the season goes on, the Jets are really going to appreciate what James Robinson brings as a power back, and I think they might be looking for someone to spell him in that aspect then I would say, man, man, oh, man. The fact that Knight didn't play, I, I would have to bring up that to put an unhealthy Robinson who just got into the who just got to the team overnight, that tells me that they're not comfortable with Knight. It's not That's a good sign. For it's, sure. Yeah, it's, it's 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 not a good sign. That that's not a good sign right there, because Robinson clearly was not right in that game. 
And that tells me that Knight has not earned the trust or the confidence in the coaching staff. So that, that concerns me. So whatever's going on, he has to make his presence felt. With that said, um, I don't think that we can afford to lose another guy at another position that's active. I, I don't want to touch anybody on the defense. Not unless we have a defensive player that just never plays any defensive snaps and he doesn't contribute to special teams in any way. That's the only way that I can see it. But Bam would have to be a guy that plays special teams, which it goes back to there's something that he's not doing, I believe, as to why he's not. why No, he hasn't been active at all this year. Yeah, that's that's he's to me been that, practice squad. That to me, that's on him. He hasn't he hasn't earned he hasn't earned it. That's just what it comes down to. So no, I wouldn't go. I wouldn't go with. Uh, um, I, I wouldn't go with four backs. The fact that you put Robinson in the game and you didn't activate Knight and Robinson was clearly banged up coming into the game. That says a lot about Knight. That's just how this works. When you play the running back position, if you're not the starter, you better be on two or three special teams. It's just that simple. And if he's not getting any reps, he's not being activated, then no, I can't go with four backs right now. Yeah, I, I'm going to be honest. I hadn't thought about that angle of playing Robinson over him last week, but it's 100% correct, and you're completely right, that if they they get four active running backs when Bam Knight gives them a reason to have four active running backs, and if right now he can't even give them a reason to start over an injured James Robinson who's getting his first or second action, then yeah, then that's not looking good for his future, and hopefully uh, over the bye week, more time, more exposure, maybe some extra fire litten under his seat. We can see some opportunities for him to come out in the future. But either way, this offense as a whole is going to improve. This team as a whole is going to improve. This will be my my closing statement here as we get looking out to the bye week. Six and three is a hell of a lot better than anyone could have imagined. They are right in the thick of everything for the playoffs. They are, even if they don't win the AFC East, they still have a path through a wild card and can still make that happen. You have a defense that's playing absolutely out of its mind at an elite level with star players at all, every single level of the defense. You have a front four and specifically a defensive tackle in Quinnen Williams that's probably going to be an all-pro. And even after an ugly game from Zach Wilson and everyone spending a week down in the dumps worried about, is Zach the guy? Is this terrible? Is this repeatable? He's able to come out, reset himself as well, play a solid foundational game, and is likely to continue to get better when some of his best receivers and best offensive linemen come back in front of him. There's a heck of a lot of reasons to be excited if you're a Jets fan right now. Yeah, it is. I, I'm with you. I'm sitting here looking at the schedule and the way. <laughs> All right, here we go for a bold prediction. I'm looking at the remainder of the schedule, and to be honest with you, there are only three quarterbacks that concern me on this schedule. Uh, the boy out there in Chicago, yep. Buffalo Bills, and Tua. The rest of these quarterbacks that they play, these are drop-back quarterbacks, and we give drop-back quarterbacks problems. Uh, we're realistically looking at a situation where at the after the bye week, I mean, at the after this bye week, I, I mean the Jets can very, they've earned this as far as I'm concerned. They can easy, they could very easily go six and two after the bye week, if not better. 
If this I think offense, they lose three games tops. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I, I'm with you. I'm, I'm saying this. It, if the offense gets better, I'm saying two games tops. I'm, I'm saying two games tops. And because yeah. I'm looking at the schedule, it, listen, the Patriots, I, I think that coming off the bye week, I think that we can beat the Patriots. I think we've already proven that uh, as far as being able to play with them. You look at the Chicago Bears, I think our defense is going to give the Bears the blues. Kirk Cousins, if you are an offense, and and I watched it just past weekend watching them play the Washington Commanders, if you have four defensive linemen that can get pressure on Kirk Cousins, you can you can you can rattle him. Then they got the Buffalo Bills. Then they play the Detroit Lions, the Jacksonville Jaguars. They go to Seattle. That can be a tough game, and that's going to be a big game. And then they go to Miami at at the at the end of the season. I, I'm saying I'm saying six and two. I could very I could see six and two. Quite honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if it was six and two at all. I could see five and three. Maybe if that trip to Seattle gets tough, I think the Jets should very handily handle uh, the Chicago Bears. But Lamont, have I have I filled you in on this? I don't know if you're aware of this. Are you aware of the the infamous coin flip prediction for the New York Jets going on right now? No. Okay, so let me fill you in. This will be a fun way to close the show. So before the season started. And obviously it didn't garner as much attention as it did then uh, now until recently, but someone, and I wish I could find originally who posted it, but as I don't know who it was, but it was a random Jets fan on Twitter. You know who you are made a prediction where they flipped a coin for every Jets game on the schedule. And I don't know if they had it either tails or heads was win or loss for the Jets. And they had it set out for the Jets to go 11 and six and eventually lose in the AFC championship game for the season. We are nine weeks through the NFL season so far, Lamont. That coin flip prediction is 100% accurate so far. Wow. 100% accurate. (laughs) Had the Jets losing to New England, coming back and beating the Buffalo Bills. Now, this is where it gets funky, is the coin flip prediction as the Jets losing their next two games against the Patriots and the Bears after the bye, and then I think it has them winning out. Oh, wow. And... So it's it either has them winning out or they win like three of their next four or, or four of their next uh, five or something, and they lose one other game. But yeah, so far the coin flip prediction, everyone on Twitter very hype over that, completely and totally accurate, including the upset over Buffalo. So we'll see next week with the bye. Either this is how Jets Jets fans can feel about it is either the Jets are going to beat New England, they're going to come out of the bye, they're going to be seven and three, they're going to have another win under their belt in the AFC East, and they're going to be looking to do damage against Chicago. Or it was all part of the plan to start. We trust the coin flip, and we hope for a loss in Chicago to keep the streak rolling. <laughs> I'm with you. Either way, six and two. Either way, six and two, and either that's the <laughs> the most important thing is either way the Jets are six and two. I don't think any of us could have imagined. They're six and three, six and two at the end of the bye. Six and three is such an incredible, incredible place to be for this team. I can't even believe it's real. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Really appreciate the time. Thank you to betonline.ag for sponsoring as well. Lamont, any parting shots before we get out of here? Uh, just everybody enjoy the bye week. Um, I'm sure you all will hear from us the week leading into the uh, Patriots game. You can catch me on Twitter. At Coach Jordan 34, and I'm on Instagram, Lamont Jordan underscore 34. 
And you can find me on Twitter at Andrew Golden underscore 17. And you can also follow the show at B-L-E-A-V underscore in underscore Jets. Thank you one more time for tuning in. This has been the Believe in the Jets podcast, and we will be back real soon. Bye-bye. Peace. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.